Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to The Art of Being You. Thank you so much for being here today, man. It means the world to me. Hey, listen, if I could ask you to do one thing for me, if you have never taken the time to leave a review for this podcast, would you do that for me? That would be amazing. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, uh, I would love for you not just to rate it, but actually review it because that really helps the algorithm and helps people find the podcast and ultimately help people find more freedom in Jesus. Unfortunately, with iTunes in particular, to leave a review, you actually have to do that on a computer, not on your phone. So that's a little annoying. But man, next time you're on your computer, please just log into iTunes, leave a review here. That would just be amazing. So today, we're actually going to dive into one of my favorite topics, talking about personality kind of stuff. I am a bit of a personality junkie. I love personality assessment tests. That's actually why this podcast is called The Art of Being You, because for me, one of the greatest journeys of my life has been embracing who I actually am, not necessarily who I want to be, but who I actually am, and investing the time, the energy, the resources into making that person the best that she can be, which of course means in Christ, because apart from Jesus, there's no point. But I love personality assessments. The first one I ever took was the Myers-Briggs type indicator, which I took the first week of college uh, at Baylor University 20 years ago this fall, which is just bonkers. So in the Myers-Briggs, they basically test four different ways that you process information. They talk about where you draw your energy from, how you order the information that you receive, how you receive information, things like that. And I love the Myers-Briggs because it really helps you get a grip on how to become a more productive person in your life. That's ultimately what we're going for, right? To be more productive, to be more efficient at how we live our lives, how we do our jobs, our relationships, that kind of thing. But of course, the Myers-Briggs is limiting in some ways. And so I also love the DISC profile. And for a time, I really enjoyed the Enneagram. And if you're interested, I did a whole podcast episode actually about the Enneagram. It is episode number 70 on this podcast, where we kind of dove into some of the shortcomings of the Enneagram and specifically on a spiritual side for Christians, the Enneagram really begins to lack a lot of substance. And one of the things I think the Enneagram has done has been to articulate and tap into basic human nature. So when you find your number, you actually start to feel like really known, you know, like these are things that are really true for me. But the more you go into it, the weirder that it gets. And it's actually really actually anti-biblical. But you can listen to that podcast if you want to find out more about that. But the thing about the Enneagram that people love is how it they feel like it actually explains them. And here's what you can do. You can take those truths that are true about you and you can still use them to define yourself, just not tying yourself to a specific number. It's the same thing that we do with like the Myers-Briggs. So let's dive into the four myths of introverts, which is what we're talking about today. And in the Myers-Briggs test in particular, he uses the term introvert and extrovert actually really different. In fact, he really doesn't assign them as 
necessarily personality characteristics as much as the process through which you draw your energy from. So this is interesting because if you just Google introvert definition or extrovert definition, you're going to find characteristic qualities like shy, timid. Uh, if you Google extrovert, you're going to find outgoing, uh, overwhelming, you know, different words like that that are very external. And what I think is interesting is the creators of the Myers-Briggs test decided to take it a different direction and focus on the introvert being someone who's more concerned about their internal world and the extrovert being someone who's more concerned about their external world. So this is the vein that I want us to surf down uh, for today. I want us to look at introvert and extrovert, not necessarily as personality characteristics, but as where we draw our energy from. So this is an important distinction because just like the Enneagram is limiting when it comes to different, you know, verbiage and things like that, the explanation of introvert and extrovert is also limiting. There's this idea out there that your personality is infallible. This is who you are and it just can't be changed even if something about yourself is off-putting or you don't even like about yourself. And I just genuinely don't believe that. I believe we are designed by God to become like him. Now, it is true. There's a lot of different types of people out there and we do fall into sort of categories. And I don't think God is put off by that. It is okay to be different from the people around you, but we need to really challenge ourselves to not just stay with where we are. So again, I know I'm kind of dogging on the Enneagram, but one of my frustrations with that particular assessment is that once you have sort of the characteristics of what your number should do or doesn't do, then it begins to feel like that's what you should do. And if it's something that's actually not helpful to you or not helpful to your calling, then you just kind of feel like, well, this is just how I am. It can't be changed. That's not an accurate truth in the kingdom of God. So for our purposes today, and actually next week, we're going to be tackling four myths about extroverts. So for that context as well, we're going to be looking at introverts and extroverts specifically related to where they draw their energy from. Now, I need to go on record having said I'm not an introvert. On the Myers-Briggs scale in particular, it's a sliding scale, 30 on one side, zero in the middle, 30 on the other side, introvert on the left, extrovert on the right. And I actually tested 28 out of 30 on the extrovert. What does that mean? That means that my external world is my world. There's very little that I enjoy about the internal world in my life, but we're going to talk more about that next week. So for those of you guys that would find yourself on the introvert side of that scale, this is really for you. We're going to address four myths or four lies that circle around the idea of being an introvert and hopefully bring you into a little bit of place of freedom. How do you know if you're an introvert or an extrovert? If we're not talking about shyness or outgoingness, which we're not, then how do you know? Well, here's a great example. If you leave a gathering of people, people that you like, are you feeling depleted energy-wise or are you feeling energized? People who are introverts, they actually leave gatherings, even with people that they love, feeling depleted. They need to focus on their internal world to rejuvenate. 
Extroverts, on the other hand, are exactly the opposite. When they've been around people that they love and enjoy, they're energized. I like to think about it like if you're trying to take a little flame and turn it into a bonfire, then you need to add gas to it. And for an introvert, when they're by themselves, when they're focused on what's going on inside of them, that's the gas. That's what takes that little flame and turns it into a bonfire. For an extrovert, that act of being alone and focusing on the internal part of you actually diminishes the flame. So whereas for an introvert, being alone and rejuvenating in that way adds fuel to the fire, for an extrovert, being with people, having experiences like that, that's what adds the fuel to their fire. That's what stokes their energy. So it's a really easy way for you to look and decide, where do I fall in that category? Am I super extreme on the introvert scale? Like, I very rarely need interaction with other people to feel alive. Or are you kind of in the middle? You can be both, you know, you can actually be sort of an ambivert, right? Someone who needs alone time at times and someone who needs time with other people. But again, if we strip these terms out from the idea of being shy or timid and solely place them in the realm of where you draw your energy from, this is a great thing for you to focus on. Are you someone who's energized by looking at the internal part of your world? Are you someone who's energized by being alone, by being able to sort through your thoughts, by being able to slow down life enough to process what's going on? Are you someone that leaves gatherings, even with people that you love and need a little bit of time alone, maybe an extra drive around the block before you go inside, maybe an extra few minutes in the bathroom before you regather with your family so that you can replenish? If that's true for you, any of those things, you're probably an introvert. So let's dive into these four myths about introverts. Myth number one is that introverts don't like people. Now, this is where we're going to draw this distinction really heavily between being introverted as a place that you draw your energy from and being introverted as a personality trait. When you're an introvert drawing your energy from your internal world, that has nothing to do with how you feel about people. In fact, people who are shy, who are timid, who are fearful, who are reserved often actually struggle with things like fear, fear of rejection, anxiety, those types of things. And Jesus actually has made, uh, he's made it available for you to step into freedom in those ways. Now, does that mean that if you're typically a shy person, you're going to become the most outgoing in the room? Not necessarily, but it does mean that you are not limited by fear in any of the interactions that you have. So when we just say, look, you're an introvert, you're shy, that's how it is, you don't like people, well, then we sort of give you permission to stay there. But if we read the Bible, we can see that that's not really a godly characteristic, right? So myth number one, introverts don't like people, is really important for us to make the distinction that there are people who don't like people. There are people who want to live a sort of reclusive lifestyle. There are people who are shy and timid. There are people who are reserved. And that might also correlate to people who draw energy from being alone, but you don't have to stay in that place. You can still draw energy from being alone and actually love being around people. My husband, uh, you know, he's an introvert and people will regularly say, how is he an introvert? If you've ever seen him in front of a crowd, I mean, he's a preacher. He leads a business of a couple hundred people where he does meetings with them. He has this very outgoing side to him, but he replenishes by being alone. That's where he draws his energy from. He needs a couple hours every morning by himself and with Jesus to help replenish himself so that he can do the things that are on his plate. 
Just because you're an introvert doesn't mean that you will be a shy, timid person. Okay, myth number two, introverts will always be shy. In other words, this is something that just can't change about you. Okay, we've tapped on this a little bit in the last myth, but this is something that I think you need to understand. If you are an introvert, listen, you do not have to be steeped in fear. You do not have to be overly concerned about what people think about you. You do not have to be worried about what someone is thinking about you when you leave an interaction with them. Shyness is something that's different than where you draw your energy from. You don't always have to stay right where you are. I think there's this belief that our personality is somehow infallible, like it can't change. We're just stuck with it. You know, if we're someone who's a little bit bossy or I guess 2021, we'd call them someone who's a little bit leader y. (laughs) You know, if you've got that as part of your personality, then there's this idea that that's just who I am. Take it or leave it, warts and all kind of thinking. And I really want to challenge you to not buy into that. Don't set parameters on yourself that this is just how I am and it's never going to change. Your personality can change and can grow. Of course, there's going to be things about you that pretty much stay the same, but you can learn how to adapt everything about yourself to be more like Jesus. So myth number one, introverts don't like people. We know that's not true. Myth number two, introverts will always be shy. That's not true. And that leads us to myth number three. Myth number three, introverts cannot function in life without their alone time. So if you're an introvert, you're probably listening to this and thinking, yes, that's true, Rachel. Don't disband that myth. Here's what I need you to understand. When you begin to look at introvertedness as where you replenish from, then you can look at social interactions like you look at exercise. So when you exercise, you know you're going to be depleted, but just because you know you're going to be depleted doesn't mean you don't value exercise. Are you following me? In other words, you can show up to the gym, you can push yourself, you can do cardio, you can lift weights, knowing full well that by the end of your workout, you will probably need to rest. Introverts can view social gatherings in the same way. You can show up, you can participate, you can engage, you can interact with people, you can share, even though you know you're beginning to feel a little bit depleted. The Bible says it like this. There's this promise in the book of Proverbs that says that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. If that's in the Bible, that means no matter your personality, that is a truth that's available for you. If you show up to a church gathering, for example, and you invest in the people in your life, you participate with the people. Even though you might be feeling that flame analogy, you might be feeling your bonfire beginning to deplete a little bit. You can show up and you can invest, you can can share, you can connect, knowing full well that you will be refreshed later. I think one of the most healthy things introverts can do is begin to plan ahead a little bit and look at what's going to deplete them and then build in times of replenishment into their schedules. So I'm going to use my husband as an example because I'm not an introvert, so I don't understand this on a deep level. I only understand it through watching people like him. He lives a life where he's on the phone almost all day long. He's in real estate. He has a real estate brokerage. There's, you know, 200 plus agents that need his help from time to time. And so he's on the phone in in interactions with people in recruiting meetings and all this kind of stuff every single day, almost seven days a week. And yet as an introvert, he's not depleted to the point where he can't function. Why? Because he's learned the rhythms of his life and he knows how to build in time. 
The other thing that I've watched him do that I think is such a key for you introverts out there is to see your contribution relationally as a gift that you're giving. Instead of feeling like someone is sucking the life out of you when you're in a relational interaction, look at it as you are giving yourself to them. You are donating this part of your energy to them. You are allowing yourself to be depleted for their sake. That little mindset change can actually really change how you view people, how you view social interaction. Because you cannot be alone forever. It's not healthy. You might not need relational interaction as much as maybe the extroverts in your life, but you do need it. So myth number three, I can't function without alone time. Well, that's not entirely true. And I really want to challenge you introverts to take time to build in times of replenishment in your life. Let me just say a note to the extroverts that are listening to this to be able to understand the introverts in their life more. Look, as hard as it is, Gift those people in your life the gift of alone time. Gift it to them in the same way we're asking them to gift their connection time. We can gift them alone time so that they can replenish because honestly, they need it. Myth number four, introverts are not fun to be around. So I don't know about you. But people do think this, right? I've heard people say this. I know people think this. I'm actually not one of those people because I'm married to an introvert and he is the most fun person for me to be around. But I know it's a thought that's out there. And furthermore, I know it's a lie that a lot of introverts believe that just because they're introverted, they're not as fun to be around. Now, you might not be the person in front of the room playing the game, bringing all the attention onto yourself, but that's irrelevant because what we're talking about is if being an introvert is genuinely how you focus on your internal world proportionally more than your external world, if being an introvert means where you're actually drawing your energy from, then what that means is you're not necessarily a shy person just because you're an introvert. You're not necessarily a timid person just because you're an introvert. You may enjoy being on the peripheral of a room, but you can have a lot of fun being in that room. Listen, you need to hear me say that just because you're an introvert doesn't mean you're not an enjoyable person. I'm pretty sure you are a very enjoyable person. You just might need less times to be enjoyed, and that's okay. So myth number one, introverts don't like people. Myth number two, introverts will always be shy. Myth number three, introverts can't function without alone time. And myth number four, introverts are not fun to be around. Listen, I need you introverts to understand that you are fully capable of living a very full life. You're very capable of living a full life relationally. One of the things that you need to do is make sure, like I said before, that you're prioritizing times of refreshing and then changing your perspective on when you're giving your time to other people. I believe that introverts are some of the most incredible people in the world. It's fascinating to me to watch how the inner world of an introvert is this lively, amazing, epic place to be. And you know, I think that Jesus is like that too. I think there's this special place when Jesus was on the earth, for example, where he was connecting with the Father in his inner world. I mean, I think at some level, introverts are demonstrating for us what the private life with Jesus really looks like. 
And we can say the same is true for extroverts. Both reflect a characteristic of the image of God, just in a different way. So being an introvert is actually an amazing thing. It's actually something we should celebrate and we should make space for the introverts in our life to be replenished in the way that they need to be. And I want to challenge you introverts, grow your capacity to give of yourself. It might take time, but you can grow that capacity. You can actually learn how to replenish yourself even in the midst of other people. It might not be your favorite thing to do, but you can learn to do that. And I just want to end by saying you are a valued part of the body of Christ. Just because you might need more alone time doesn't mean that you're not needed in the gatherings of the believer. It's so important to have you there with us. So don't buy into the lie that you have to be shy or timid or that you will always be shy or timid. Know that you can take on the likeness of Jesus just like you are. Introverts, we love you. We celebrate you. Give yourself a high five inside of your little inner world because we know that's where you are living your best life. Listen, I'm so glad that you took the time to listen to this. Uh, if you've got other thoughts, you know, or other myths you think we should have covered, let me know. Share this with the introverts that are in your life, or better yet, introverts, share this with the extroverts in your life if you feel like this is helpful for you uh, because I really want to help us learn to celebrate each other and our differences. Join us next week as we're going to talk about the four big myths of extroverts. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.